to Flame Side, the Center College podcast where we meet and interview the people who make Center College home. I'm Adriana. And I'm Lauren. And we are so excited to be here with you. We are so excited to be back for our second episode. And today we are going to meet a really special person in the Center community. But we really appreciate you all joining us for our first episode. And we're just excited for the second one to really kick off our series. Before we bring on our special guest, we did want to take a moment to thank everyone for all of their support on our first episode. It just served as another reminder of how special the Center community is. It was such a nice surprise to hear from so many old friends and new friends and to our new friends of the college, some of our prospective students. We just wanted to remind you of some special announcements for our admitted seniors. We have some programming going on this spring that's still currently happening. Next week, we have our next session of the Step Into Center virtual programming. That's on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. This next week is about after center. So it's a little bit more about the prep that you'll get while you're at center for your post-grad years including research, internships, and the Center alumni experience. You can register for all these events on the Center Visit website and definitely sign up for a visit in person too if you haven't yet. We can't wait to see you all soon. Yes. Well, on to the fun stuff. Our very first guest of the season is a beloved member of the Center community, which she's served for over 16 years. Currently, she works in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion as the Assistant Director of Diversity and Inclusion Programming, and was most recently the Associate Head Coach of the Women's Soccer Team. Our guest is currently a Posse mentor and has played many other roles on campus including student, but our favorite role of hers is colleague and friend. So everyone, please welcome Jessica Chisley. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's, um, yeah, it's it's incredibly humbling to to be the very first one. So I'm I'm excited to be here. I look forward to our our flame side chat. I love the title. It's pretty cool. (laughs) But yeah, and, and thank you for the beautiful introduction. It's been great being a part of the, the center community for so long, going through as a student, being a two-sport athlete, having the opportunity to come back and then serve as a, as a coach and work with so many student athletes as a coach in many, many fields, actually. So not just women's soccer, but also uh, basketball, women's lacrosse. So uh, kind of have been a little bit all over the map when it comes to coaching. So it's been really neat. And this next uh, next phase, I'm truly excited about serving in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion and Equity and, and looking forward to, to making some positive impact and helping to continue to progress the college. So, yes, in many meaningful ways. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. And you really are the perfect first guest for us. And I just want to introduce a little bit of the theme for this podcast. And so today we're talking a little bit more about investing in the center community and our hope for the future of the college. So we're just so excited that you took some time to join us. I know you have a very busy schedule too. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. Well, we definitely have a few questions prepared, but it's kind of been a while since we've seen each other. So how are you, Jessica? I, I think I'm good. It's, we're kind of, I think, all in this whirlwind known as April, where everything just comes like this feverish, like snowstorm, and you're just like, where's the end? And all these different things, and everything's just happening all at once. So I think uh, those, all of us at Center probably know what that feels like. So the current students are certainly navigating that. I know in admissions, you all are 
in the throes of, of acceptances and, and, and looking for um, folks to, to start depositing and saying, yes, I'm definitely coming to center, which folks, yes, you should come to center. Like if you're still questioning, do it. But I'm good. Honestly, I'm, I'm good. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everything that I'm currently experiencing and the good, the bad, the in-between. So what about you, Lauren? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. We talked about this last week and it's a busy time, but a good time. And it's fun to be busy at a place that means so much to us too. And Adriana and I talked a lot last week about being both um, employees of the college, but also alums. And so remembering how fun the spring used to be as a student, it's still fun as a staff member too, but just everything being green. And I don't know, I feel like the life has really come to campus and it's fun to see so many people outside and enjoying the beautiful trees of springtime. And so it's, yeah, I'm doing really good. My allergies are probably not the best, but other than that, I'm doing really good. So our first question for you is a, a lot about your time at Center. You've been a part of the Center community for a while. I know we talked about that at the beginning, but before you worked here, you were also a student like Adriana and I. So take us back. What was Jessica Chisley like in college? What were some of your most cherished Center student memories? Oh my gosh. It seems like such a blur at this point, but I was a two-sport athlete, so a lot of my time was actually spent in athletics, which so it's no, I guess, no surprise that I ended up going into athletics and coaching and giving back to the college in that way. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of, my, my daily routine was in the fall, it was practices and preparing for games. It was road trips. And then same thing for the spring when I was playing softball. So I played soccer and softball. And both experiences were, they were kind of unique, uh, have cherished friendships with, with people on both teams to this day. So it was, it was really neat. And there's so much discovery, like self-discovery that goes on as well as a student. So just figuring out who I am, what I want to do with my life. I started out as a pre-vet person. Like I always grew up loving animals and I came into center saying, I'm going to be a vet. And, um, yeah, I found out really quickly that I was not going to be that. So um, ended up taking a couple of chemistry classes and they did not go so well. Major shout out to Dr. Muzika, who really tried to, to lift me, just help me get past the hump. But yeah, so I, I just found out that science, while I loved it, it didn't necessarily love me back. So, so yeah, I had some struggles, which honestly, for a long time, I, I, tried to hide that fact that I struggled academically, but I think that that is important because every student has to find their own way, right? And that's that's what this whole journey is. It's figuring out your passions. It's about, you know, developing school skill sets. And so for every failure that I took as a student, it only prepared me for later in life. So my path is such a weird and winding one that took me from wanting to be pre-vet person and be a veterinarian to ending up in music, which I've done my whole life. And music is very important to me. And that took me to being in a band where I met some of my closest friends in music. So Dr. Nate Link, who still works here, was at a band with him. Uh, Dr. Cusato, who still works here, is an amazing drummer, but I was able to meet him. My former band partner, John Rusnak, who uh, unfortunately passed away suddenly a couple of years back, but I, I was able to meet him. So yeah, it took me in places that I never kind of thought I'd, I'd end up being, but, um, but yeah, the, but I think that describes me though. I feel like that actually describes kind of what I was like as a student all over the map. So, you know, obviously your experiences is unique to you, but there are some common themes 
when we when we meet with other center people about center being this place where you can explore and sometimes the things that you thought you would be really interested in at the beginning don't end up working out but that's okay because new doors were opened you got to explore new things and it's i think it's just as worthwhile figuring out what's not for you as figuring out what is for you and being in a place where it's safe to fail sometimes and it's safe to figure out what's not for you i think is helpful Mm -hmm. One of the things that I know you and I have spoken about in the past, um, but has also come up today, really is this passion that that you have for students. I know in the past, you've been able to channel that through your work with student athletes. Now you really get to work with diverse and passionate student leaders. I'm curious to hear a little bit about both of those roles that you played and maybe where, where you think your passion for students really comes from. Yes. So my influences, I've always looked up to my coaches. I've, I've had some, some really impactful coaches over my entire career, my entire life. I can still remember coaches from when I was in youth softball playing. Um, and back then it was just like whoever kind of wanted to coach type of thing, coaching your team. So they weren't necessarily like experts on the game. But I think back, I had a coach for softball. His name was Butch Turner. And he was one of the most passionate people that I ever met when it came to the game of softball. To this day, when we would do something right, I still hear his voice in my head saying, add a baby, add a baby. And so I just think back and like vividly remember some of the fond memories we had. Like I was on a traveling traveling team. We were called the the Frankfurt All-Stars, but we, we traveled and we played softball. Ironically enough, one of my teammates on one of the traveling teams, her sister is actually the assistant softball coach here at Center now. So it's such a small world, but yeah, so it's, you know, athletics continues to just, it just shows up in my life in that way. But, but yeah, so I had, uh, I remember him. I remember a coach, her name was, her name is Sonia Ritchie and she was a basketball coach that I had, but she was the same passion I saw in Butch on the softball field is the exact same passion I saw in Sonia walking up and down the sidelines, coaching us in basketball. So we play in all these AAU events. And, and I just remember the passion that she had for not only just coaching us and teaching us about the game, but also just being with us and in our presence. Like she really loved teaching young players the game of basketball and sharing her passion with us. So, so I remember her to this day in high school. I had great coaches as well. Uh, Dreda Mays was my basketball coach in high school and that she's, she was a very influential figure in my life who, when I first came to college, I was constantly talking to about some of the challenges that I was facing. And then when I got to center, one of, one of my assistant coaches, actually, we were sitting, I was kind of in, in the middle. So I talked about trying to go into veterinary medicine and just the struggles that I had there and just how down I was about it. And it just wasn't working out. And I remember Dean Brownlee, we were sitting and talking and I was talking to him about coaching because I was trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? I don't know what's the next step. And we sat and we chatted and he just said, you know, Jess, I, I coach because I feel that I feel that God put me on this earth to to be kind of a beacon, if you will. And he's like, I'm here to serve. And that's that's what got me into coaching. I kind of as I think about that, that really resonated with me and that really stuck you know, with me. And I feel the same way. I feel that I was put on this earth to, to be a servant to others, 
So Christianity is my background. I grew up in the church. So I very much believe that that was my design. That is my design. Through talking with Dean, you know, I, I kind of started entertaining this idea of maybe going into coaching. And so that's how I took that step. Because there's something else that Dean said that I, that I truly believe now that I, I currently experience as a mentor through Posse and that I constantly experience as a coach on the soccer field is that, you know, you could be maybe the bright spot in someone's otherwise terrible day at any moment. And to me, that's what we are here to do is to be that person for our students. And so I enjoyed, the more I was in it, the more I loved actually being able to teach the athletes about the game of soccer. Um, and I loved watching their growth. I love seeing those aha moments. Like I celebrated their victories and their triumphs and their growth and development on the field, just as much as, as the things that were happening off the field, whether it was an internship, whether it was getting into med school or, or applying for a Fulbright, those are all the things that, that really filled me up and brought me genuine joy and happiness. And to this day, those are things that, that I experienced in the, in the realm with my, my posse. I get a chance to experience that too. And I love celebrating their, their highs. I, I, you know, being there for them or having the opportunity to be, be there for them through their lows, if they're having, you know, very tough, difficult times. Like I just, I enjoy being able to help students navigate the various parts of their life. So Thank you for sharing that. And it's really cool as a, someone who graduated, I mean, somewhat recently to think about the staff who've done that for us. And, you know, I celebrated wins and losses with staff and faculty, and I don't know, especially coming from far away to come to center. I don't know if I would have made it without those people. So I know that you have meant so much to the women's soccer players that you got to coach and then I had a lot of friends on that team and I would hear about you before I got to become your friend. <laughs> so, um, I know that they really appreciate you and all the work that you did with them too. And so when I think about your time at center, I see all the ways you've invested in students, colleagues, and the ways that you've tried to make center a better place for everyone here. Doing this work is certainly worth it when you love a community as you do, and we all do, but striving for a change can be hard while it's happening. What makes this rewarding for you? Is there an experience that you really think of when you think about the change that you're looking for at Center? Oh, that's that one's tough. It's kind of interesting. I, I just sat in uh, on a class the other day. I was asked to come share a little bit about the ODI and what the ODI does. And I kind of I kind of got a little bit of a similar question. It was it was about what progress have, have we seen in the office. And so I've only been doing this for about four months now, but in four months, there, there still is a lot. So um, when just trying to explain what it is we do in the ODI, I was just like, that's kind of a hard thing to it's kind of a hard thing to tell you because it's it's kind of a broad umbrella. You know, it's diversity, inclusion, and equity. So you know, we talk about the diversity piece, which is bringing folks together from different backgrounds, whatever that background may be, socioeconomic, neurodiversity, uh, just uh, sexuality, uh, religious identity, et cetera. It's, it's about bringing folks together from different places, right? And so that's like almost step one. But then the next step is equally important, the inclusion piece. So it's, it's not enough to just, it's not enough to bring a polar bear to the zoo, right? And say, we have a polar bear. And then we don't have adequate housing for the polar bear that can help that polar bear thrive, right? So it's comfortable, it's safe. We don't have the diet that the polar bear needs to live and thrive, but we have that polar bear. So that's, that's my analogy that I offer people when I start talking about the inclusion piece. 
So it's not enough just to bring someone from a diverse background to the college. You have to take the next step, which is ensuring that the college is inclusive. So whether that, if it's, if it's a physical difference or um, when you talk about ableism, uh, if we have a, you know, we do have a deaf and hearing impaired community here, what efforts are made to ensure that when we have convocations, everything's virtual now uh, with, with the pandemic, when we are having convos, do we ensure that there's an ASL interpreter on that call? So those are, are things that, that constantly circulate in my mind. It's, it's where are we lacking in the inclusion piece and how can we get there? And the sad part is it, it's not the easiest answer, right? Like, and, and that doesn't mean that just because it might be a little challenging or difficult that you don't do it, that you don't try to fix uh, a problem or meet a need. It just means that it might take a little time. And time is something that it's, it's a hard thing too. You know, the last thing people want to hear is just wait, 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 wait. But there are some things that just they, it takes to do it right. And where it's meaningful and authentic, it does take a little longer sometimes than, than people may want. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of in the work. The experience that I've seen is just where it's identifying where the needs are, um, you know, how are we doing in the inclusion piece? And, and I always tell people, if, if you feel that there are things that aren't, that aren't working or that we aren't doing that meet a need, like tell us, that's, that's why we're here. So yeah, it's, it's rewarding in that way. Back to your, your question, Lauren, more specifically, it's rewarding in that way, having the opportunity to give back to the place that I love and that really contributed to who I am as, as you know, now a grown 30 nine-year-old woman um, who still has more to learn about the world and life. You know, I want to continue to give back to this place that I think is amazing, but it's not perfect. No place is, but I do want to continue to help it progress and move forward so that when we have the polar bear on campus, the polar bear is happy. The polar bear is thriving. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I, I, I think about things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a great visual representation of of what sometimes feels like very theoretical work. So, so I think having those kinds of analogies is always really helpful. I am curious, and this is kind of going off script a little bit before coming back to script. Yes, but <laughs> you know, I think for a lot of people, your roles at center probably seem completely different in that from the outside, it probably looks like being a coach and working in athletics is totally different from working within diversity and inclusion. But I know that that's not actually the case. And I'm curious, like, what do you see as some of the similarities or some of the skills that you have really been able to bring from your time working as a coach to the kind of work that you do now? I think one of the things that I am very grateful for is in the athletics world, coaching is, is it's a kind of an always on type of thing. I think a lot of people think that it's a, when we're in season, that's when the work's done. And then once the season ends, it's just like, oh, coaches go on vacations for like the next six months and just chill out. And it's like, nope, nope, doesn't, doesn't happen that way. There's this whole macro cycle that goes into, um, coaching. It's, you know, you have your season, you have your practices, your games, there's the travel and all that. And there may be a little bit of a break in there, but then you start going into what like recruitment season. So it's kind of a lot like what you all do in admissions. You know, it's, there's not really that much of a break 
you know, you're either reading applications, you're, you're doing campus tours, you're talking with families, you're promoting center, coming up with resources. So all those things, is, it, there's not really this hard shut off, right? So what I learned from that is this work ethic, because you have to, in work like diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're kind of always navigating, you're going from one thing to the next to the next. You might be juggling several different issues or several different problems at all at the same time. And so you have to have a little bit of a stamina kind of in, in the work to be able to bring your best self to have the bandwidth and the capacity to be able to, to do what needs to be done. And so, and the hard thing I've found is, is the shutting off of it. You know, it's, I, I see a need and I want to help. And so sometimes it is hard for me to shut it off. Also, when you think about competition and the pressures that, that are involved in, in competing, you learn how to handle stress and cope with stress and navigate that and still get a thing done, right? To meet a result or get to an end result. So same thing kind of here. When I'm feeling stressed, there's a lot of things going on. It's like I am able to use my skills or what I learned from coaching and just focus. So it's getting my you know, best attention. It's not just sloppily working through it. So coaching taught me that. So there actually has been quite a bit of transfer from coaching to the DEI work. That's great. I, I love what you're talking about too, with how busy you can be, but also like how fun those different aspects of your job can be too. And I think we're all really busy at center, but hopefully in good ways. <laughs> um, and so I kind of have a two-part question and I know outside of your normal, you know, nine to five job at center, you've taken on other responsibilities with students and other opportunities. And that's something Adriana and I love too, is getting to work with students on campus kind of outside of our normal <laughs> job. And so I know you took on one of your more recent roles was being a posse mentor. And so I'm curious, how did you decide to add this role to what you get to do at center? What other places do you see yourself investing in students outside of the job? And then my second part is how do you find balance in all that you do? I think something that we're always trying to add to the center community is how to find rest and balance. And so I'm just curious, I know you juggle a lot of things and <laughs> you juggle a lot of work that can probably be tiring and a lot of just emotional baggage too. So I'm just wondering how you find your balance in your day. Yeah, I don't have an off switch. And so I'm kind of, I'm really working to, okay, there is, everybody has an off switch, but I just fight mine half the time. I'm like, no, I can't rest right now. I need to do this thing or that thing. Like, so my, my balance, honestly, I, I'm trying to get back into the habit. Once the pandemic started, um, I got into the habit because at the very start of it, we couldn't do anything. It was just like, don't go out of your house. It was like the weirdest, like apocalypse type thing ever. It was really scary. If you're outside, the sun was going down. I, was, I felt like I was trying to run to get back into my house. Just like, gotta go. But, um, but what I would do to, to try to just, I don't know, center myself was every day after work, I would go out to Millennium Park and I would either walk five miles just around the park, just walk the loop, just listening to music. And depending on what kind of mood I was in for the day, it was either super chill. It was a super chill playlist. Or if I was just feeling a little kind of anxious or antsy that day, it would be something more up-tempo, a little bit more hardcore. Um, but I tried to make that my everyday routine. And was trying to be very non-negotiable on it. I wouldn't let myself out of it. If, even if I didn't feel like doing it, I'm like, nope, we are going to the park. And so I bought this amazing bike. 
um, as well. It's about investing in yourself, people. So <laughs> I bought a bike and that was also part of it. So some days I would drive to the park and then walk around the park and drive home. Other days I would actually ride the bike to the park and then do my five mile loop on my bike and then pedal back home. Other days I get super adventurous. One of my one of my most adventurous ones is I decided I wanted to see because I drive past it going home. Uh, I'm from Frankfurt originally, so it's only like maybe an hour drive. And every time I go home or or come back to center, I always pass that Brightleaf golf course. And so I'm like, how close is that really? But um, but I was just like, I bet I could ride my bike there. And, and I can, and I did, I was just like, I want to see, you know, like I drive, we all drive for the most part, we all drive everywhere, but it was really cool seeing, seeing the, the area from a different perspective on a bike. It's, you can kind of go down some places and just look around. And I just saw some beautiful countryside, but all of that was just so relaxing and it helped me to process some of the other bigger things that were going on. So, I mean, this is all during the summer of Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, um, Breonna Taylor, you know, it, all that was going on. So I'm, I'm struggling with that and trying to emotionally process what was going on in the world and the climate at that time. Also, while trying to navigate the pandemic. And then also, you know, I've got my posse, um, who is their students, and they're trying to navigate this new online thing. So trying to be there for them. And so to your question that you ask about, like, how do you emotionally do it all? Like sometimes you, you're running on fumes at times, but it's, it's about, like I said earlier, kind of doing what's necessary to meet the need. And so sometimes I don't have the best balance, but I always want to be there. I, I don't ever want to drop the ball when it comes to if, if my posse says they need me or a student says I need you, I don't want to miss that, you know, like someone's asking you for your help. I'm going to do what I can. And if I can't meet that need, if I can't help, then I can at least at the very least try to point you in the direction of someone who might be able to. And if they can't, then we'll try somebody else. But um, how did I get involved with Posse? I got involved with Posse. I'd always heard about Posse. So I've been here since Posse's been here. We're on the 16th cohort that just got selected. We're also bringing in a new virtual posse that is not just from the Boston area. For those of you who don't know about posse, posse is a leadership scholarship and it works to identify leaders that might otherwise kind of get overlooked within traditional recruitment processes. And so posse is a national foundation. We have about 63 partner institutions across the country. But yeah, some of the brightest individuals apply for this. So just in my cohort alone, I believe they had over a thousand applicants for the scholarship that gets whittled down to 10. But I had always been a part of one thing that, that's done through Posse is the Posse Plus Retreat. And we talk about just different things. We may talk about politics. We may like the state of politics. We may talk about identity, but it's, a, it's kind of a really jam-packed weekend where you can you can just dive in and have very complex conversations about a lot of different things. And it's, like I said, it's, it's powerful. It's a very powerful weekend. So maybe about three years ago, I attended my first one. I was invited by Bob Nesmith. He's the posse liaison, but he invited me. He's like, Jessica, you should come get, you should come look at this. You know, you, you need to come. And so I was like, okay. 
Pam Boffman, who's also in admissions, she was a mentor at the time. She's like, yeah, this would be great. So I, I go and it just blew my mind, the level of the conversation, the complexity of the conversation, the openness of the conversations that were going on. And I was like, whoa, I had no idea. And so then the next year I go back and it's about the time that they're trying to, to get the next mentor to come in. So for my cohort, and I was approached by some folks saying, I think you'd be a good mentor. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So, um, cause it, 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 it's a very, it's a very meaningful and rewarding process. And so it's, once you've done it, like any mentor you talk to will tell you that it is transformative. Like it will change your life, but from the outside looking in, you're like, Ooh, I don't know. But yeah, so I, I was approached and I thought about it and I was like, Hmm, I don't know. Am I the right person to do this? Like, I, what if I can't, what if I can't do this or what if I can't do that? Or, or what if I'm not like a good mentor? And so I slept on it and then I woke up the next morning and I walked over to Bob and I said, okay, I'll do it. I'm ready. And so that's kind of how the ball got rolling on that. Um, and like I said, it's the rest is history. It has been incredible. I learned so much from my posse. It's, it's about like at the essence of a lot of what we do, it is remembering that to treat people as experts of their own experience. And I think when you look at the grand scheme in like across the world, like a lot of the problems is that we talk at each other or we talk across each other, but we have the hardest time meeting each other where we are. So it, it has really been uh, very much about putting self second and others first with posse and being able to, to listen because I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. And I do learn quite a bit from, from my posse. So I'm thankful for that. And then I learned quite a bit also, you know, from the soccer team when I was there with the soccer team as well. So I, you know, I never want to, to leave them off. I mean, that's 15 and a half years of my life. Um, and a lot of fantastic relationships built there that continue to this day. Some of my closest friends are, are former players. But yeah, it's, it's, I've learned how to be a better listener by being a posse mentor. And I've personally grown in just big, uh, big ways. So that's great. And, and if you can't tell folks in the admission office are very big fans of yours and, and we knew that, well, I mean, it, it was really Bob and Pam, but I know that they knew that you would be great for the role and, and you've proven to be great for the role. So lots of fans over in Bowles Hall of Jessica Gisley. And and which posse are you? Is it CP14? I, yep, CP14. <gasps> wow, wow. That's, yeah. When I was a student, my class was CP8, I think. So it's just like crazy to to see the numbers grow and grow, but, mm -hmm. but it's always really fun. You know, and I, my question is maybe leaning a little bit into posse just a little bit more, but you've mentioned that you really have been able to learn a lot from your posse. I'm curious, you know, what, what are the things that you feel like you've really learned from them and, and how do they give you hope for the future? Mm, such a beautiful question, man. I, I don't even know if I could, what haven't I learned from the posse? I guess this is probably a better question but I just love their authenticity and just their, their realness. They, when we meet, so, you know, we meet 
every week as a, as a group, all 10, and we workshop together and we have different themes with, with our workshops. They dive in. You, know, you could easily, and, well, in all things, it's what you put into it, right? And so the posse could come every single week and choose to just not engage with, with whatever the workshop is. So the last one, it was kind of designed to get to know more about each other. And so, and the idea was just, it, I called it windows and it literally just came out of, out of the thin air. I was looking at a magazine that I had bought about like abandoned places. Cause I'm always, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm actually really fascinated by abandoned things. It, there are stories like there is a story. There used to be a mall and now it's just sitting there just, you know, dilapidated. And I would have loved to known like what that mall looked like in its heyday, you know, the, the stories in there, the laughter. So, so yeah, there's always a story and I'm fascinated by stories. So that's how this workshop came to be. And I was like, you know what? I'd like to know. I like to kind of to know more about the posse in that way, like what things kind of make them go, hmm, or, or what things are important to them, like what's alive with them. And so that was the whole framework for the workshop. It was just incredible, the different, the different things that came up, like it was a great way for them to learn something new that maybe they didn't know before that they, they're like, oh, I know this person. And they're like, oh, I never would have guessed that. That's amazing. And then just to be able to see them light up talking about these things. So it's like a proud mom moment for me where I'm just kind of like, okay, I see what, I see what like makes you happy. Like, okay. So that was pretty cool. They're so intelligent. They are thoughtful. They're caring. They're compassionate. It's not just, you know, me trying to help them. Like my, my dad passed away in the very, in the first year that they were my cohort and they were just like, you know, how can I help? And they wanted to be there for me. And I'm just like, I'm supposed to be here for you. I'm like a sobbing mess. And, and they're just like, no, we want to know how you are. And they would check in on me. It's kind of weird. It was a weird adjustment for me because as a coach, I'm kind of used to doing it the other way. Like I'm constantly watching, you know, the players and what, are you okay? You know, how are things, how's class, this, that, and the other and checking in on them. So it was really weird to have that reversed. So that, that has taken some adjusting too, but, but they genuinely care. It's not performative. They're not doing it just because it's like, let's earn some brownie points. Like they genuinely care. And so, it, yeah, we've just had some, some very powerful conversations. So yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. That's why I say it's, it's one, when you're in it and you're going through it by the end of it, like you talk to any former mentor and I'm sure they will all say the same thing, that it was by far the best opportunity um, and experience that they've had. And I'm finding that I agree with that every single day. I truly believe it. Thank you for sharing all that. I, I could probably sit here and talk to you afternoon, but I know we'll have to wrap up at some point, but it's been so fun just hearing more about all your experiences and stuff about you that I, I didn't know you were in a band and all this great information about Jessica Jesley I now have, but we are wrapping up the podcast with the same question in each episode. And so this is a tough one. I know we've thrown a lot of tough questions at you today, but <laughs> um, if you could describe center in one word, what would it be and why? Uh, I'm going to go with transformative. I, I kind of hope that, that I hope that kind of encapsulates everything that this, this entire podcast has been, it, you know, it's talking about a beginning, a middle and, and 
the, I'm feel, I still feel like I'm very much kind of in this early part of the middle. Like, I don't even think I'm like in the middle of anything. I still feel like there's a lot of beginnings where, where I currently am. And I, I kind of think that's how life's supposed to be. You know, it's, it's like we're, we should always be striving to learn something new or learn about something new or to grow in a different way. So, so transformative is definitely the word I would use. And why is because, as I said, I, I came here as a two-sport athlete wanting to go and become a vet. Didn't work out. I went into music, which ended up paving the way because I had no clue what I was going to do with that. Paved the way for me to get into coaching. It showed me that like, I do have this passion for helping and serving others. So working with the soccer team for 15 and a half years and developing those relationships that have, that have been relationships of a lifetime. And then now doing this work and getting to know various students on campus. And I, I want to know stories. I want to get to know like who, who this person is or who that person is. And, and, and what do you want to do? What do you aspire to be? And, and how can we get you there? Like, you know, what, what does that look like? And yeah, help to, to shape those dreams, if you will. So it's a transformative place. It's a place that, that took me to several different countries. I've been all over, the, literally all over the world. I think, I think I'm up to 12 countries now. And I never would have traveled the world had it not been for me attending school here. So yeah, it's, I'm going to go with transformative. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, you should know that you have transformed center as much as it's transformed you. So, so thank you for that. And, and thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank, thank you, you so both. much. <laughs> yes. Well, we will go ahead and wrap this up for our listeners. Know the podcast again comes out every Friday. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us under Flameside. We are so excited to bring guests that are just as exciting and insightful as Jessica was. But for now, just thank you for being here, Jessica. It's my pleasure. Thank you. All right, friends. Bye. 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 Bye.